The Maker's House Chapel International presents Destiny Word with Dr. Michael Buedinamite. God has destined for each and every one of us to live a life of purpose, a life of abundance, and a life that pleases Him. Dr. Michael Buedinamite's mandate is clear. He's equipped to raise destiny giants for our time, equipped with the wisdom and anointing for a time such as now. Please stay tuned in to Destiny Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that the grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray that you give us a word that works, O oh God. Anoint these lips of clay, make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. Put a word in this mouth for your people. Give us a word that works. Spirit of God. Take absolute dominion over this atmosphere, O oh God, and bring everything under divine obedience that we may know you and the power of your resurrection. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we have prayed. Amen. We've been dealing with Psalm 23. David tries to put the relationship that he has with God in an intimate box. He's saying that the Lord God that everybody knows is omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, all-powerful, happens to be my shepherd. He, he is using a possessive pronoun, saying that he is mine, uh, he is my shepherd, and, and because of that I shall not want. The, the word want or shall not want um, in the Hebrew is kasar, which simply means that I will not be lessened, I will not depreciate, I will not lack anything. What David was saying is that once I have God by my side, there is no way I will depreciate, there is no way I will be lessened, there is no way I will be in luck or I will want anything. And that is a word that is for everybody who happens to follow God. Once you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, your personal Savior, and he is your shepherd. What David is saying is that once he is your shepherd, then you shall lack nothing. No matter what you go through, he will not cause you to depreciate. You will not be lessened. There is not going to be anything called lack or want as far as your life is concerned. And I pray that for your life. I still pray for you right now that God will cause you to come to the place where nothing of yours will depreciate. You will not be lessened. You are not going to lose out. You will not be bereaved, actually. One of, the, one of the meanings of that term is that you will not be bereaved. It means that nothing around you will die prematurely and I pray for you that not you not anybody close to you will die prematurely as long as God remains your shepherd nothing around you will die prematurely but David said once he is your um, shepherd then there is no way you're going to lack anything there is nothing around your life that you're going to um, lose or is going to be discounted or is going to depreciate. May the destiny program and patterns over your life, anything that God has placed over you before you came into this world, let nothing be missing, let nothing be broken. Everything God has placed on you, your ministry, your health, your career, your path, may the Lord God watch over you as long as he remains your shepherd. I, I quite remember I was telling you that 
David, when he was writing this psalm, David was privy um, to the God of his fathers. He knew of the God who was able to bring them out of the land of Egypt and, and lead them with an outstretched right arm. God was able to part the seas into two. He knew that this God had fought for his people before. He knew that God was the El Gibor. He knew that he was the mighty God of battle. He can fight battles for his people. I pray for you that any battle that you are confronted with, may God arise and fight for you. May God arise and fight for you. Any battle that you've been confronted with, may God arise and fight for you. Before he wrote this test, he knew God as a fighter. He knew God as a provider. His name was the Yahweh Yireh, the God that has all sufficiency, the God, the many-breasted God, the God who is able to go ahead of his people and make provisions for them before they even get there. He knew all these things and yet he was not talking about God as the provider because you know, if no matter how you see God, you will not be able to explain God fully. I was telling you when I started that if you see God as a king, you might not be necessarily con considering him as a creator. And the moment you do that, you, you get into the reductionistic subset of the theological submission. Now, technically, you can't say that God is just a king. Because not only is he a king, he's also been a servant before. So he's the same one who is a king and a servant, a ruler and a ruled. Because although he is a ruler, he allowed himself to be led. The Bible says, and the spirit led Jesus to the mountain to be tempted. So, technically, although he is the leader, he can also be led. So, no matter how you look at God, you cannot put God in a singular box and try to explain his supremacy away. David, even though he knew that God ha has been the, the God of all sufficiency, did not call him the I am that I am. He called him my shepherd. Until you get to a point where you don't care how people see your God. There are, there are people now, there are certain doctrines that are permeating your airwaves. And there are people who are saying that Jesus Christ is the, create, the creation of, of, of the westerners. They, they try to um, create a person called Jesus and slap it on people that they should worship him. Because they wanted a replacement for, for their deities. But if you know and you have a revelation about God, you don't need any atheistic propaganda to throw your faith away. You know that although they will not serve him, Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord is mine. He might not be for you, but I don't want to know if you pray to him or not, if you believe him or not. But as far as I am concerned, my God is mine shepherd and as long as he remains my shepherd i shall lack nothing he maketh me to lie down in green pastures because i follow him he gives me residency and permanency where the pastures are green i will not have to drive very far to go and look for food why because he makes me to lie down in green pastures so that when i am hungry i don't have to go look for food because when i turn all around me the pastures are green may god give you residency and permanency can i pray for somebody real quick <laughs> may god give you permanency and residency where the pastures are green the sheep will not lie down when he's being hurried the sheep will not lie down when he feels threatened so what david is saying is that when i follow god when he becomes my lead my shepherd he will make me to lie down i am defenseless but he'll make me to lie down because when i am lying down and any encroacher comes my way my god is holding a staff 
of defense. And so when they come up against me, my God will rise and fight for me. I pray that whilst God is giving you permanency and residency in your place called your pastured regions or zone, whatever will come against what you represent, may God rise and fight for you. Arise, oh God, and let every anything that will rise against you, whilst God is giving you permanency, may God rise and fight let me try to walk you through quickly. And David, after saying all those things, he said, when it comes to his leading, he leads me not because of me. God does things not for us. He does things for himself. He said that the reason why God leads you is for his name's sake. So when God wants to do anything before God acts, before God moves, before God does anything, God considers his integrity. The reason why the rod of the wicked will not rest on your lot is so that they will not say, where is his God? The reason why God will not allow them to take you out prematurely is because God knows that he has his print on you. That people are going to ask, but I thought he serves God. I thought she has been praying, but I thought she sings well. Why are all these things befalling him or her? Now, God is saying that I do things because of myself he leads me in the path of righteousness for his and so when god wants to do anything it is not for you it is for his name's sake uh, anytime you come to that point of realization what you are telling god anytime an individual is able to realize that things will happen for his name it will be to his credit and to his glory you don't fret because you know that at the end of the day when it comes to you there is a covenant relationship between you and God and that covenant will stand the test of time and because of that covenant when they come up against you in the form of a flood, the spirit of God shall lift up a standard against because of the covenant God will watch over his word and perform it. May God watch over every word spoken over your life. Can I pray for somebody real quick? May God watch over his word over your life and perform it is not for you. It is for his namesake. The reason why I know God is going to bless you is because God wants to sit and receive all the glory. God will want to sit and receive all the honor. The reason why God is going to lift you up amongst all the nations is because God wants to sit and receive the glory. If in the family everybody is thinking you cannot rise, you cannot shine, you will amount to nothing. Let them wait and see because God is about to make a statement with your life. All eyes. May God visit your course and frustrate the enterprises of hell. That God will do things for you, but it will be for his name. The reason why sometimes after you've messed up and the enemy thinks that he can take you out when he stretches his hand to attack you, God tells him, no, 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 you cannot touch that. Why? Because he is my anointed. The anointed can be conflicted. The anointed can be confused. The anointed can veer into error. But as long as covenant is concerned, anointing will always stand in the presence of God upon the ticket of covenant. And so when the anointed is conflicted, when the anointed 
anointed is confused where the anointed veers into error and the enemy comes up against the anointed immediately the voice of the holy ghost rises and says touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm because sometimes the anointed could be touched by the enemy but because of the covenant the anointed cannot be touched it is not because he is the originator of the anointing but because he is a product of the anointed jesus is the anointed one he is called the christ christos which means the anointed one and so before you receive the anointing to be anointed your anointing emanates from the anointed for you to be anointed and so the anointing you carry does not originate from you you are just a byproduct of the anointed one and because of that the anointing of god rests on the anointed one and touch not my anointed he might have done things that you don't like he is not your anointed he is my anointed the reason why it is risky to touch the anointed is because of the origin when you fight at the anointed you fight with the one who anointed and so if anybody is fighting you the person has your god to may the lord rise for you but, 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 but because you are the anointed one god will do things for you for his name's sake god considers himself before he does anything he doesn't do things because somebody has been crying he cannot be emotionally blackmailed you cannot make appearances and expect the divine to touch because he is the origin of all emotions for we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities it means your high priest can feel although he feels he is the origin of feelings and so no feeling of yours can overwhelm him and because of that you cannot go to god on the basis of trying to please him with any physical appearance but if god would do anything for his child he does it because of his selfishness his egocentricism will kick in for him to move for god to move he has to consider will this bring me glory if it won't bring him glory he won't move so sometimes god you would think will have to move very quick and he's saying no let me wait for the stadium to be full because until they all gather any display won't attract the applause i need he does things for his name may the lord work for his name's sake as far as you are concerned my god will work for me for his name's sake he will so psalm 23 uh, verse 1 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he make me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters he restored my soul there is a flow a beautiful flow until you get to the verse number four you're talking about me not wanting anything me lacking nothing me lying down in green pastures myself experiencing restoration then when i get to the verse number four that beauty of the test is disrupted in theology and in poetry we call it the iambic pentameter 
That is to mean that when there is a flow and there is something thrown into the flow to disrupt the flow. That is to mean that when you read a text, you see that the first verse is positive. The second verse is positive. The third verse is positive. The fourth verse is negative. It disrupts the flow. When you get to the fifth verse, he says, you prepared a table before me. In the presence, that is also a positive flow. Why do you have a beautiful flow? Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, you still have beautiful flow. And when you get to the verse number 4, you disrupt the beauty of the flow. But it's so because you will think that why will you disrupt the flow? Maybe it would have been good for the psalmist to exclude the verse number 4 from the whole psalm. So that you will have the perfect psalm. But I thank God that David left it there. Because you see, Psalm 23 sits in the middle of a trilogy of Psalm. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24 are all together. They are Psalms that walk together. They are, it's a trilogy, but they can stand on their own, but they also go together. They all talk about Jesus. Uh, Psalm 22 talks about Eli, Eli, verse 1. Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, you read from the verse number 15 and he's talking about the fact that his sights were pierced. He was talking about Jesus. But, but, but he's using pierced because when he was talking about it, the trilogy of Psalm 22 is talking about the past. But not only that, it was portraying Jesus on the Mount of Calvary. Psalm 22 talks about the Calvary experience. Psalm 24, which is also part of the trilogy of Psalm, is talking about Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and let the King of glory enter the room. Who is this King of glory? The Inquisitor asked. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in He was talking about the glorification of the King. But that only happens on Mount Zion. So Psalm 22 is talking about Mount Calvary. Psalm 24 is talking about Mount Zion. Now if you have two mountains, the middle will be a valley. Let me try to work it for you to understand. If you are having Mount Calvary and you are having Mount Zion, Psalm 125 says, Mount Zion, they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which will abide forever. It cannot be shaken. And so metaphorically, when you are talking about the glorious manifestation of the king, you are talking about Zion. Zion is lifted here. Calvary is lifted there. But at every point in between your Calvary and your Zion, you will have to go through a valley. So, this man said, Psalm 23, the verse number 4. Yea, though, which is a conjunction. I walk through, which is a preposition. He gets to a point where he says, for thou, which is a pronoun. You get to a point whereby everything put together, you still walk through, which is your pre position it is not your destination it is your pre position before you get to your zion you always go through the valley and every valley experience your life is going through now may god arise on your behalf ah uh, the bible says and he said yea though i walk through it is not i stop in I can't stop there. I can only walk through it. I walk through and not just any valley. The valley of the shadow of death. 
I, I got to that portion of scripture and I got excited. Because the power of death is taken. But death is not destroyed until the final days. The Bible says death is the last spirit that God will destroy. And so death is not destroyed. But the power of death is taken out of his hands. For when Jesus died, he descended into captivity and took captivity captive and gave gifts to the sons of men. And so what is called captivity, he has taken it captive. But death is still there, only that has lost its power over the believer. And so on your journey to destiny fulfillment, death will be standing on the way. Now for there to be a shadow, there should be a reflector and reflection. There should be a solid object. That should stand there for the light to reflect, for shadows to be formed. Sometimes the shadows might even appear bigger than the object. But the object is standing along the path. And the light cannot be of darkness. The light can only be of God. Because when you are journeying with God and in him is life, the life is the light of men. The light shines in darkness and darkness comprehends it not. And so when you are walking as a believer, the light of God will shine on your path. But because death is standing there, there will be a contact between the light of God and the spirit of death and a shadow will be formed. Let, let me unpack that. Let me unpack it. So the light of God will shine upon the image of death standing there. And the shadow of death will come your way. I read it and I got excited because it is not death I have to deal with. It is the shadow. Man of God, what excited me when I read that portion of scripture and the Holy Spirit brought me inspiration and understanding on the tests. What excited me was not just because I was dealing with a shadow, but I also realized that the shadow of a lion can't bite me. The shadow of a knife cannot stab me. The shadow of anything cannot harm me. It means that, yea, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no. The reason why the believer is not supposed to be afraid of the shadow of death. It's because it is not death you have to deal with. It is the shadow thereof. And you can attest to the fact that shadows are harmless. It might look bigger than it can. Or it is in reality. Sometimes it might look terrifying. But be confident in this. That what you have to contend with is just the shadow. Do not be afraid for it's just the shadow. It is not death in itself. It is the shadow of death. It is not death itself. It is just the shadow. just the shadow of death. It's not, I'm not dealing with that. It's just the shadow. Shadow of it's not death. It's a shadow of death. Yea, though, I walk through the valley because I have been through my Calvary. I am going to Zion. 
but from my Calvary to my Zion, there is supposed to be a valley. I thank God for valleys. Every now and then, although you are led by God, you are the sheep and he is the shepherd, you will still go through the valley. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What David was saying is that my confidence is that God is with me. The Lord is the light of my life. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If the enemy, even my adversaries and my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they will stumble and fall. You are a child of destiny. There is something over your life. And yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Fear no evil. It is true. I am going through things. I don't have to be oblivious to the fact that there are certain things in my life that needs to be fixed. It's a yay though. You get to that point whereby you can look at yourself and say, it's true. The victory is not blossoming. Yay though. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art, for if God be for me, who else can be? For thou art. Thankfully, it is not any mortal man with me. For thou art with me. If my father and my mother forsake me. For thou art. Sometimes when you go through hell, friends will leave you. There are people who have been abandoned by family. Betrayed by blood relatives. People who are envied by their own parents. Jesus said, I am with you always. That is to mean that when I go through water, he is with me. When I go through fire, he is with me. When I go through... And so it is not just about me in the thing. I am in the thing with the creator of the thing. It is not just me going through hell. I am with the one who defeated hell. I am with Jesus the Christ. May the Lord God shine on your behalf. May the Lord God rise for you. May God do mighty things. Yea, though. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and your staff, they comfort. Because oftentimes for God to bring you comfort, there should be a combination of the rod and the staff. Not just the rod, the carrot and the stick. Not just the rod. There should be a perfect blend. A harmonious relationship between the, the rod and the staff for you to be comforted by God. So when you are going through hell, it is your rod moment. God uses the rod to whip you into line. So sometimes you experience disappointments. Is God whipping you into line? Because there are so many people who never had found themselves in church on a Sunday morning had it not been for a valley experience. 
There are some people, the only reason why they go to church is because they find themselves in valleys. And they know that God is the ultimate rescuer. He's the one that can pull them out of valleys. And so they go to church because they want to experience his redemption. There are people who if they were only experiencing the stuff of leadership of God, they might stay home and never even want to know. But the rod is also important. But at every point in your life, God allows you to go through the valley. But he wants you to understand that not only is he with you, but whatever you see on your way to Zion is just a shadow. It is not death. It is a shadow of death. It is not Poverty is the shadow of poverty. It is not disappointment. It is the shadow of disappointment. It is not satanic attack. It is a shadow of a satanic attack. And so although you see the shadow and it can appear terrifying, keep walking. If you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking. Oftentimes, you will experience the shadow of death, but keep walking. Because it can't harm you. It can't hurt you. It can't destroy you. Keep walking. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed with Destiny Word by Dr. Michael Boydi-Nyamiche. You are cordially invited to the Maker's House Chapel International, Kwabanya Off Point One. Join in on any of our services, Sunday Word. First service, 7 to 9 a.m. Second service, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Teaching service on Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8 p.m. And our flagship program, The Morning Aura, on Saturdays, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. To engage in prayer and experience the supernatural. For more information about this ministry, call 0244-221-272 or 0262-731-570. Or visit our website, www.themakershousechapel.org. We believe in the word in totality, and the light it brings our path to experience the grace to take territories and fulfill destiny. God richly bless you.